Hello, Trash Crusaders. Welcome to episode eight of Save Trash Cinema, the podcast where exploitation and exploration come together. It is I, your humble host, your guide through trash cinema, and your friendly neighborhood garbage can, Cayman Darty. And on today's episode, we're covering one of the most insane films we've covered thus far. If you want to know what happens when you mix cartoons and porn stars in the early 90s horror film, well, and I can't believe I'm actually <laughs> going to say this. You've come to the right place because this is Save Trash Cinema, and today we're tackling evil tunes. But before we get into that, let me introduce you to the only person I know who has successfully completed a night of Charizarding with multiple partners, my wonderful co-host, Patrick Schweigert. Patrick, how are you? You know, I'm good. I Is there a euphemism here that I don't know? Can someone teach me what Charizarding with multiple partners is? You know, I don't. Or is this a, or is this a Cayman makeup situation? Oh no, this exists. All right, Charizarding, Urban Dictionary. Charizard. <laughs> uh, I are we creating a bit where every time I have to go to Urban Dictionary at the very beginning of the episode? Great. Uh, Charizarding is when you light a girl. Oh my god! Is when you light a girl's pubes on fire. Put it out with your jizz, then flap your arms and say, you don't have enough badges to train me. Used in a sentence, Charizarding with Ginny was a night I'll never forget. Submitted by Believe MBQ on February 6, 2014. All of your sexual partners have never forgot it either. Can I say, can I mm -hmm. officially say on the podcast right now? Mm -hmm. On our sister podcast, this might lose us listeners. Charizard maybe the most overrated of the Pokemon <sighs> like, and let me clarify. I don't think Charizard sucks. I just think people think Charizard is the coolest and like, he's fine. He's a fire dragon. Like he's a dragon. Every dragon spits fire. Like what's interesting about Charizard. You know what I'm saying? That's fair. That's fair. When you sexual. Oh, that's, Oh, have you ever heard the rap song? Like Squirtle that like, that would play in commercials as children watching the show that no rap? no 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 you looked that up on your own time um to the audience look that up on your own time the rap song squirtle that's uh, fantastic um you probably heard another voice another huff and puff a sigh <laughs> coming through that is our very special guest on today's show you might remember him belligerently screaming there's no bears in north dakota from our saint <laughs> patty's day drunk cast spaghetti arms himself Michael Corker and Michael, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, I appreciate uh, you guys letting me on. Uh, I personally think this is my first time being on because I don't remember the last one. <laughs> um, and I, I, I can't believe I was directionally correct with the Bears fact of North Dakota. Um, there really isn't a lot of Bears out there. So that was just, I don't know what happened there. I've always, but, I, I, I knew this from the moment I met you. If I have a Bear question, I'm going to Mike. Yeah, and uh, what's funny is that the only other bare fact that I have is that um, a few St. Paddy's Day ago, which is reminiscent of the last podcast, I did a bear fight, which is when you do a um, uh, a Jaeger bomb to a Irish car bomb, and then somebody slaps you in the face right after. Wow. 
Sure. And you didn't tell me it. about the third part, so I just did it back to back, and then then everybody just started slapping everybody. And they were like, "Sure." Fine. <laughs> well, who would have thunk that our guest host today is the is the expert on bears? Um, but you know, now that we've addressed that, let's jump into a little quick housekeeping. We'd love it if you rated and reviewed the podcast on the podcast app of choice. Don't forget, you can be on the show by emailing us your thoughts and questions to savetrashcinema@gmail.com or you can DM us on Twitter at Save Trash Cinema or on Instagram at Save Trash Cinema as well. If you haven't yet listened to last week's minisode covering the absolutely insane Titan, then I highly recommend doing so. It's fantastic. We will be continuing to release minisodes in between our normal episodes, so make sure to stay tuned for those because we have some very exciting and varied content coming down the pipeline soon. But with the housekeeping out of the way and the introductions out of the way, what do we say? jump into a little overview of evil tunes evil tunes is a 1992 live action hybrid horror thing that was written by trash auteur fred olin ray now fred olin ray is a prolific director with 162 directing credits under his name now that might seem insane, and technically it is, but roughly it's probably a 50-50 split between his films being both Hallmark Christmas movies and softcore pornography. However, you might know him from uh, some of his other films, impressive titles such as Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, or his sleazier films you might have caught on HBO late at night, mm. Baby Dolls Behind Bars and busty housewives of beverly hills three of the most universally loved everyone knows those three films you know my, my pop's favorite i actually own a copy of uh of hollywood chainsaw hookers well of so, course you do yeah you are a hollywood chainsaw hooker we will be covering that film because it's fantastic and it's got some great people in it uh, but the story name. the story for evil tunes follows a group of quote-unquote college girls who must spend the night in an old haunted house after accepting a job to clean the place up before its new owners move in. On the night of their arrival, the strange man arrives at the house, delivering an old book. Once he is gone, the girls examine the book where they find a sketch of a wolf-like monster. As time passes, the drawings emerge from the book and become an evil cartoon. At one point, eventually, the girls must do whatever it takes to make the monster return to the book. The film stars David Carradine from Kill Bill and Death Race 2000, Artie Johnson from The Love Boat, and Dick Miller from the original Little Shop of Horrors and Gremlins. That's why I and recognized him. Finally, the film also stars The Ladies. So as I'm watching this movie last night, I'm texting Cayman because I start looking up some of these women because I'm like, there's no way these women are, are actors. Turns out they are. They're adult film actors. All four of the protagonists in this film, porn stars. Susan Ager, Monique Gabrielle, Barbara Dare, and Madison Stone. All prolific adult film actresses front and center in this classic. Which, honestly, props to them. You know, Mike actually texted me at one point while we're watching the movie. Because we kind of watched it simultaneously. And he texted me and he was like, man, I have to tell you. Barbara Dare and Madison Stone's filmography is fire. I was like, you <laughs> really know, good. I'm going to have to take your word for that. But hey, you know, for what it's worth, good for them. I think yeah, when, is... 
the first scene uh, where there's nudity, where one of the girls, I think it's Madison Stone, for no reason at all, just starts doing a completely like naked strip tease. I was like, mm. the, this she's a porn star. She has to be. So I looked it up, and turns out all of them are. Uh, oh yeah. And the reason that so Fred Olin Ray he cast porn actresses in this film simply because they had no issues doing nude scenes because you know that's what they normally do in a movie. Hey, yeah, within you know the. I was going to say within the first 20 minutes, you see um, all four pairs of tits. Yeah, basically. And I was, I was like, literally, I was waiting. I was like, you see two pretty quick, like a, a good just back to back. And I was like, man, there's like the countdown's on to see the other two. And then within 90 seconds after that, yeah. uh, Suzanne and Barbara Dare just dumped them out together at the same yeah. time. And I was like, oh, my God. All right. So we are. Here we are. Well, yeah, the film itself runs for an hour and 30 minutes and has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 29%. The film was released on Blu-ray a few years ago, but copies are scant and are currently running anywhere from $25 up to $100, but depending on the region that you are purchasing it from. If you don't feel the urge to spend your hard-earned money on this film, you're in luck since it is currently streaming for free on Tubi. And may I also just quickly say, of course, shout out to Tubi. The, there have been multiple films that have been available on Tubi and I've just been a pretentious prick and I'm like, well, I don't want commercials. But this time I did Tubi. The commercials are not overtly like in your face. Mm -hmm. There was like two commercial breaks this entire movie on Tubi. Very manageable. Like, yeah, I was like, I'm going to start watching all these on Tubi when they're available because I'm just, I hate commercials. If it costs me 10 extra bucks, I will pay it to not have commercials. And really, I'm totally fine here. So if you have that, if you're a pretentious prick like I am, to be not that bad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah. all pun intended, they are they are quickies. The commercial sure. are quickies. That is true. You know, the goal here of Save Trash Cinema is to actually become sponsored by Tubi. Mm. Because I know there's a version of Tubi out there that like the people who work for Tubi that have no ads. And I'll, I just want to be paid in a adless version of Tubi. Like, sure. I don't need money. I just need that. Well, with the overview out of the way, why don't we take a little time to discuss some initial thoughts. Patrick, let's start with you. Tell me what you think about Evil Tunes. I had a great time with this movie. I, at first, like, it seemed like there was, sim like, no semblance of a plot. And there kind of still wasn't a semblance of a plot. But it was, even though the film, like, makes no sense, some of its decisions are completely fucking dumb. Oh, God they do it in a way where like I genuinely had a good time the whole time. Mm -hmm. Like I, there were Rose came in like halfway through the movie and she seemed to enjoy the half that she saw uh, as well. But yeah, it just, I feel like it didn't try too hard to be overtly stupid, but it still was. And they just, you could tell it was a really fun, like it reminds me in ways of Zombievers. Like it, you can tell they were having yeah. fun making this movie. Yeah. So I, I was thoroughly, impressed with this it's ranking high on my uh on my save trash cinema letterbox list fuck yeah fuck yeah mike let's hear some initial thoughts from me what do you think yeah before i get into that um i was gonna try to say about the the tubi reference because i was gonna drop an awesome joke that this podcast is actually presented by booby and we're uh. looking to get tubi on here <laughs> but you know that's neither here nor there um this movie ruled um for the acting, the the story, the character development, um, the the side plots and quests. The I mean, the villain is. 
I mean, he's 2D, so it's it's got everything, really. Um, and if I had to, you know, just stack ranking the actresses by their filmography, because they've had they've done a lot of work, I would say it goes Madison for me, Barbara Dare, Monique, who's the nerd, and then Suzanne Ager. With that being said, Suzanne definitely has the best lines throughout the whole movie. Um, it's just that her film, you know, I just don't think she's that good of an actor. Was Suzanne the, in white? Was she the woman in white? Yeah, there are two she was girls. Like a ring that, leader. Yeah, she. There were two girls that looked so much alike, and she was a little bit, maybe looked a little bit older with the okay. reddish yeah, hair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I yeah. know exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, she was the one with the white top. There's the other, and I honestly don't even remember their names. I, I remember Roxanne and Meg. Oh, I can tell you them. The, it's, tell, uh, please. We got we got Roxanne as Madison, Jan as Barbara Dare, uh, Terry as Suzanne, and Megan as Monique, who is the nerd. The nerd. You know, I kind of love Monique. Monique was my favorite. I I really yeah. pulled for her. Like Gorgeous. We, she, she was just naturally beautiful too. Don't want to sure. like spoil yeah. the story at all, but like I, the way that she's treated, I'm like, there's a lot of vindication for that character, and I was rooting for her along the way. So we'll we'll get there. We'll get we'll there. get there. Yeah. Well, you know, with initial thoughts out of the way, I think it's time that we get the show on the road. Evil tunes, everyone. David Carradine, Artie Johnson, and the girls. Evil Tunes. Don't tell me you kids don't enjoy a good cartoon. Evil Tunes. It's a scream. Cold open. Lightning cracks outside of a creepy home. David Carradine is introduced with a talking book. In times of trouble, let your conscience be your guide, it says. I immediately, I'm watching this movie. David Carradine comes in. There's this opening uh, like monologue over the top. This motherfucker goes, puts a noose around his neck and fucking hangs himself. And I text came and I'm like, there, no fucking way. Did this happen? Because trivia, if you don't know, David Carradine in 2009 died during a bout of autoerotic asphyxiation. He was hanging himself, jerking it, and he didn't release the hanging soon enough, and he killed himself on accident. Bill did? Yeah. Yes. Bill, Bill killed Bill. himself. Yeah. And this was... movie opens with him hanging himself. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. I was like, I texted him and I was like, this can't be happening. And it sure as fuck did. You know, I, I wrote indeed. only a I wrote only a few notes because really I I just I took it all in like I just memorized it so I didn't have to take any notes. But at the very beginning, I wrote guy hangs himself dot 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 jumps to conclusions, and I just <laughs> opened up the notes and I was like, was that a joke to myself or was no. I just really was I just really foreshadowing when when he hangs himself like the book hits the ground. And yes. we we'll first want to point out that the book itself is very much like a, a rip on the Necronomicon from Evil Dead. Like it's a skin bound book with a face on it. It is the Necronomicon Mm -hmm. and it talks and its mouth just looks like an asshole. Um, And it just goes, Oh, one jumps to conclusions. So you're like, Oh man, that's a a poor taste, but you know, flash forward some 20 years. Here we are. And also I, I want to put a pin in this because I don't, 
think unless I miss something that him hanging himself makes any sense. Like I don't does that ever like come back and mean anything? Like where it just oh, started. It, it sort of does and his his reasoning and vindication to the end of the movie, I was just like but dude, like you're just kind of a selfish dick for it, for for doing all this, but but anyways, at the at the very beginning, also another little foreshadowing, um, and I'm sure that they had to do this on, on purpose. When he when the book, like, like, actually no, I think this is at the end. You know, I'm gonna save it. I don't wanna, I don't, I don't, I don't wanna jump to conclusions. There you so go. I'll, I'll save it for well. R.I.P. King. Mm-hmm. We flash forward. It's the same house, but now it's for sale. Except, sale is spelled in all caps. S-A-I-L, and then Satan is underneath. And I feel like there's a joke there, but I can't understand it. I feel like there's... Satan. Sale Satan. I mean, yeah. 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 That's a stretch, though. There are a few things, like like with the hanging. Like, there are just these things. I feel like there was maybe a different iteration of this script that where that made sense, and it just, like, made its way to the second version of the script, and, like, that joke just now doesn't make sense. Out front of the house, a man steps out of the car. He opens the door to his van, and a bunch of porn stars, excuse me, I mean actresses, come out. They joke about Republicans, and life is good. Some fun fact, exterior house, uh, the exterior of the house is the Beckett Mansion. Uh, Many films were shot here, including The Convent, Twice Dead, Running With Scissors, Witchcraft 7 and 8, Attic Expedition, and even Halloween used it in a few scenes. Uh, across the street, the people under the stairs was also shot. So very um, utilized house in Hollywood. Yeah, very much so. I would. I'm gonna go on a limb and say that the neighbors were probably the happiest for the filming of this mm. one. Sure. Oh yeah, yeah. 100. The man tells the women he's dropping them off to clean the house over the weekend, and that they'll each make a hundred dollars if they do a good job. The electricity works in the home, but the phones are out. One of the girls tells the other that horrible and mysterious things have happened in the house. The girl walks out to get supplies and runs into the neighbor, Mr. Hinchlow. She brings him back into the house and introduces him to the rest of the group. He says that he's there to memorize their faces so that he can identify their bodies to the police if they die. There have already been so many red flags. They'll make $100 if they do a good job. Why would you take that job? It's guaranteed. I'm doing the work. Give me the money or I'm not doing it. This house, like everyone knows there's a creepy vibe. You're being left here overnight? Like, did, did they fly you in from a different state? And then this fucker comes in and is like, I'm remembering your faces so that if you die, I can tell the police. Get out of here. Like, what are they doing? It's perfect. This is like, look, guys, this is how you write a script. Sure. Like, you've already set up the you already set up an explanation as to why no one can call the cops. You got the creepy neighbor who's now setting up that people die in this house enough for him to come over to make sure he knows their faces. So when they do die, he can assist the police in helping. So like, you know, it's horribly done. Don't get me wrong, but I appreciate the effort. Another um, fun fact here. So in the, the story of the film, 
these ladies attended a, a university called Miskatonic University, which I guess is a fake university attended by characters from different Lovecraft novels and the reanimator, just to name a few. So a little, yeah, little nod to the horror genre. Yeah. Miskatonic university comes up in a It's essentially like the university and like in the universe of Lovecraft. And then it shows up in other Lovecraft films. So things like reanimator, um, the unnameable, like everyone goes to Miskatonic. So I do appreciate that they did that because it was just like a clever little joke. Sure. So the girls go inside the house and immediately decide the best place to start cleaning is the basement. And there's this wonderful line. I think it's Roxanne Madison Stone. And she's like, oh, this is perfect. Just a bunch of beautiful young co-eds going into a dark, creepy basement and I'm like, look, it's meta. It's meta enough that like it knows what it's doing. Oh, for sure. Because there are the lines that. like this throughout the whole movie. Yeah. Yeah. While cleaning the basement, the girls find a trunk that has a tag saying something along the lines of, don't open this fucking trunk. And it says it in multiple languages. Like it is a piece like it, it, it first it's in like English and then it's in German and then it's in some other language I didn't recognize. But I'm like, what? Okay, you're in of this fucking creepy house. There's a giant trunk that has a, a little sign that is changing what it's saying. And y'all still decide it's a good idea to open this? You deserve everything that's coming to you. Who among us wouldn't? I would. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would. I too. don't blame him. Yeah. yeah it's easy for me to say. The cat or, and or the porn star. Sure. It's easy for me to say in my ivory tower that I wouldn't open it, but... I might open it if in that situation. I, I can't really say until I'm there, you know? I personally think very smart on these young ladies to go, hey, let's go excavate the whole house. Let's go check out the basement. They check out the upstairs. Now they know everything. All, no walls are unturned, if you will. Um, and, you know, they're cleaning from the foundation, bottom up. I get it. It's true. It's true. It's making a lot of sense. But they, so they do. They open the trunk, obviously. And inside of the trunk, they find a human skull... And a dagger, and they're just totally nonchalant about it. The the like just the, the like the, the girl like holds the human skull, and she's like, "Hmm, this is odd," and just like tosses it aside. Then the leader of the group, she like grabs the dagger and is like, "Yeah, I'm taking this because it's valuable, and I can't really disagree. Money is money, and so you get it where you can get it, whether cool you're starring in Evil Tunes or stealing a dagger from a house you're cleaning." We cut to nighttime. David Carradine is now standing outside the house. Electricity pops in his hands and a book appears. The same book as before. They put on some music and one of the girls starts dancing sexily. And when I mean sexually, I mean she takes off all of her clothes and literally starts twerking on screen. Like what? It goes awesome. from zero to 60. Like they're just, they're cleaning this house. It's nighttime. This uh, one of the women, I think Barbara Dare is having like an egg sandwich or something. They're just like chilling. Yeah. And this girl's like, I'm just going to start dancing. And then just takes off all of her clothes and starts clapping those ass cheeks. What I love is when she what? starts clapping those ass cheeks, it, there's literally... Like they put a sound effect in and it just goes flop, 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 flop. <laughs> and it's like they had like you you couldn't like just put the mic up next to her ass and just hear that nice little. Like no. I'm I'm not even convinced that these women are friends. Like they they have not even really acted like they're friends. They just I think they're all like 
independent contractors that happen to be women. And then all of a sudden this woman is just getting completely naked and twerking for these other women. And they're just like, Mike, <laughs> as our resident expert on both bears and pornography, mm, sure. do mm-hmm. we know if any of these girls ever did movies together outside of this? Um, you know, if I it wouldn't put it pa- it wouldn't put it past me that they've done movies together. Um, when they were doing movies, there wasn't really the internet, so the only films that I saw of them were all individually. And oh my mm. god, movies are so much worse back then. Like, mm. just way too much of the other person, not too much of them. It's like, what's going on here? Get the dude out of there. But anyways, um, yeah, there's just few and far between of like their actual movies that are on there. And look. They weren't too creative either. I don't want to disrespect the men in these adult porn films. Sure, sure. They, you know, they're beautiful. They got it. You know what I mean? They're doing the thing that, you know, all I'm saying is maybe it's not that bad to be looking at a little. We all know. You know? We, we all know. Oh, 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 no. I'm, I'm cool with all of that. I don't need to see an angle of just like the back of the guy's head. Sure. I'm like, what's going okay, on? Okay, sure, 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 sure. Also, jumping ahead a little bit, is the man in this? I totally meant to do this last night. I forgot. Is the man in this also an adult star? Because he acted like he was. I'm I'm actually 95% sure when I was going through their filmography, I saw him in he a porn had picture. To be. The way um, he acted, I was like, you've got to be a porn star. Too. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure I've seen I thought I'm pretty sure when I was looking up Suzanne, I saw him in a movie with her. Great. Ooh. Well, we'll get around to that in a second. Big the biff. doorbell rings david carradine is standing at the door and he gives the girls a delivery they attempt to refuse but he hands the package over and disappears into the darkness they debate if to open the package but decide to do so it's a book either a necronomicon or an asshole stretched out on a leather book cover we've skipped something important that i briefly touched on earlier okay which is after madison uh makes the ass go clap 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 Sure, sure, sure. She sure. like pulls up Monique, Megan. Oh, true, true. And just yeah. like randomly just starts being rude to her. And all of them just like, like ganging up on her. And she runs upstairs like crying, essentially. Yeah, well, they start like she's, you know, of course, Roxanne, uh, Madison Stone. She's getting all, she's dancing. She's getting all sexy. She's getting naked. And then she pulls up Megan, uh, played by Barbara, no, Mo, uh, Monique, Monique, Gabrielle, pulls her up. And then starts to undress her in front of everyone. Yeah. But here's, I think, the thing that gets me. Is that when she does that, all the other girls are like clapping and they're like, yeah. Oh, good job. Proud of you. And like, they're just all really impressed. The reaction in this scene makes no sense to me. Then again, I'm not a porn star. So sure. this might just be a reaction you get if you're in the industry. It's also interesting that all the other women are dressed in like sporting attire, like uh like biker shorts and like really tight stuff. And she's just wearing like sweats head to toe. Mm. So like for like all the, the other three completely on the same page. And she's just in sweats, which is like, honestly, she's in my vibe. I want to be in sweats when I'm cleaning the house, but true. True. She, this bullying, not okay with her. But as you say, Megan, the nerdy girl, she runs upstairs in, 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 in some sort of frustration or being upset that she was partially stripped in front of her other friends. And proceeds to immediately get topless. And but like then something weird happens. The mirror. She caresses the mirror she's standing in front of. Like, 
it i don't understand it because at this point in the movie like the whole book no one's read the book so like mm-hmm. shenanigans aren't happening from the book so in the beginning i was like oh maybe this is part of it and then i just realized like i think she just gets off on herself and Which, like, like hey look everybody's got a preference and if yeah. you're looking at yourself in a mirror i mean worst things you could be doing i mean when you're hot you're hot right true 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 roxanne pops up from behind her she surprises her and tells her to come down and help them decipher the book since meg is the only one who can read latin what the fuck is that dude nobody can read latin there's not even latins don't even read latin anymore (laughs) look it it was the 90s it was the 90s latin was still everyone was speaking latin on the street in 1993 or whenever this movie was made. True. Well, Meg starts to decipher the book. It's written in Latin, as I said before, and it says something about demons of the mind, unliving, devoted slaves, and sacrifices to bring shit to life or something. It also says something about not reading an incantation ever, 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 ever. And the book specifically says, and I'm not even paraphrasing, this is verbatim, do not read this incantation ever, 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 ever. But guess what? It kind of it, it plays. They do it though. anyway. Kind of plays them. It's at the very end of the incantation, and it's just like, "Hey, don't read what you just read above." Basically, and it's like, "Gotcha, bitch." Yeah, I just, I just love that. Like, it's like in Latin, it says "ever, ever, 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 ever." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck? Well, we cut to the kitchen, and Roxanne is struggling to open a bottle of wine in the living room. The book starts to more, and the illustrations come to life. No, she's not only struggling to open a bottle of wine. She is trying to open a bottle of wine in a way that literally no one has ever tried to open a bottle of wine. Like this was is definitely a bit like that's not true. I have seen my fiance try to open a bottle of wine with her teeth. So sure. But like this, it felt to me that they were like, let's just make this a bit because it, it goes on for like two and a half minutes of her. just yeah, like, it's, it's, At first, she's, she's just like bit. pulling the top of it, like yeah. as if you could just pull the cork out. And then she starts using her mouth and, you know, which I guess is sexy, maybe, I guess. Well, and I mean, I'm, I wasn't I'm, complaining. And I'm 98% sure it was a tw- it was a twist off, too. Mm. So, like, it yeah, definitely no was a twist off. But also, I think and maybe you're about to get to this, Cayman, but isn't it at the same time she's doing this? The three broads are upstairs. They do. The other three decide to go to bed because Roxanne tells them that her boyfriend, Biff, Biff. Is going to come over at midnight. So the other three girls decide to go upstairs. And when they do, uh, well, they lay down on sleeping bags. On top of sleeping bags, side, shoulder to shoulder to shoulder. They're just laying on a floor, like plank style, just laying next to each other on top of all these sleeping bags. Pure chaos. It, yeah, it's it was, like it's like they're arraigned at a at a friggin' wake. Like, yeah, right, put him down. <laughs> put him down. It was it was at this moment where Sid leans over and she's like, "What the fuck are they doing? Do these people not know how to use sleeping bags? Like they sure the, don't. The bags are pulled out. They're laid out all nice. Like you can just slide right into your sleeping bag. Except they don't. They just lay on top of them. Insanity. It's so stupid. It's so pure stupid. chaos." the 90s bro and the lights are completely on so like there are a few times where it shows them like leaning like when commotion happens in a bit that we'll get to and they go back to bed they're just like all right lights still on i'm just gonna lay back down and i'm on top of my sleeping bag no one needs a blanket in this house maybe it's just very warm well at midnight roxanne's boyfriend biff 
is coming over and she's getting ready for him. She puts on some very sexy clothing, which at this point, the cartoon demon has come out of the book and it is hiding over in a corner. And every time she does anything, at one point she bends over and like you see this like ass shot of her. And the demon like jumps up and like does like the Roger Rabbit mm-hmm. bit where his eyes pop out and his tongue hangs out and he goes, <laughs> and it is like the funniest shit I've ever seen. It is so overtly stupid the way that this, and also I also love because it's what year is this? 1992? 1992. Like they didn't have the technology to really like implement this in a good way. So every time that the cartoon is on screen, it's like a completely different lighting. Like, I don't know if they're doing it on like a green screen. I don't know exactly how they were doing it, but like, there's always a shift so that you, it's like so obvious that this cartoon is coming. And I I really enjoyed that. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall for this whole scene to be shot. One, it would have been incredible Two, pantomiming, this wolf this wolf demon cartoon thing existing had to have been incredible yeah this this movie this movie is just so fucking horny like and that's so that's, horny and, oh, the, and that scene movie. and that scene she does like like uh kind of like a like a white snake like stripper like hair <laughs> toss to bend over and it's yes. just like a full zoom in of like her asshole yeah. Like and she, it's like sp- it's like spreading and it's like moving in. It's like, dude, what is going on? Like that wasn't okay ever. Yeah, I feel like that. I don't know if if the director's vision was to basically make this like softcore porn, or if the women in the film were like, we need to make this sexier. Like I'm wondering which, like who who drove things like a rack zoom inside of her asshole. Yes. Yeah, well, David David Kerrigan. Also, side note: David Carrigan, aka Bill, definitely banged all these chicks, or at least oh, one. Like, I feel like I feel like this movie. They were like, all right, wrap it up, wrap it up. Made it in like two hours, and then it was just like slutfest. Right. Back you know what? Not. I'm not. I'm like, I'm not gonna sex shame any of these people. If they want to have sex, let them have sex. Hell it yeah. is. It is worth pointing out that the voice of the demon is actually voiced by Fred Olin Ray, uh, the director writer and producer of the film so you know he's getting his rocks off oh yeah and speaking of getting his rocks off it's at this point where the animated cartoon wolf demon thing jumps out from behind the couch and he attacks roxanne and has sex with her or at her yeah uh and also uh i i do i find it both um funny and concerning that every time whether it's the actual cartoon or, you know, as we'll get to the cartoon in other forms, every single time it attacks one of the women, its first objective, rip off their shirt. We got to yeah. pull, oh, pull yeah. the titties out. Yeah. First and thing he, we got to do is, is bring the titties out. Later in the film, he, there's a part where the demon attacks one of them and does that. And he just goes, oh, yeah, nice tits. <laughs> God damn it. He, he, well, he, said, he drops nice tits a, a couple times. Yeah, a couple times. Always hits. The girls, the girls upstairs hear the commotion happening downstairs. They laugh it off and think that Roxanne is just orgasming loudly. What look, if you whatever gender you are, if you think a woman screaming like that is a scream of pleasure, you need to go to jail. That was yeah. just straight up. I am in trouble screaming. And they're like, ooh, she's really getting it, isn't she? 
It's like, yeah, she is. She's dying. And you're just letting it happen. And you think it's funny. There's also the fact that David Carradine in all of these scenes, it like cuts over and you just see him like standing in the window, like outside the house looking in, just being like, yeah, mm, yeah. Dude, Dar- and, uh, David Carradine's a creep. Yeah, he would definitely creep. Well, yeah. R- rewind 30 minutes and listen to how he died. Of course. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Meg, the nerdy girl, she comes down in to check on Roxanne and sees that she is butt naked, covered in blood. Dialogue is exchanged, and Meg runs upstairs after the newly possessed Roxanne gets a little handsy with her. So, you know, that happens. Roxanne's boyfriend, Biff. Jesus fucking Christ, Biff. He shows up to the house. He walks in, is in the house for no more than 30 seconds before Roxanne grows a pair of giant, vampiric-like teeth and bites a chunk of his neck out. Once again, David Carradine is standing in the window watching. And like Biff obviously missing several brain cells. Like he is, he's missing a lot up there, but it took him about 30 seconds too long to realize that she was still covered in blood. Yes. And then when he realizes it, he goes, what's that sticky stuff on you? Yeah. There's blood sticky like that. Like does it, I've never been covered in real blood. You know, I think blood can have a stickiness to it, but I think that was just, because obviously the blood was probably just corn syrup. And, and he just, he ad-libbed in the moment was like, you, why are you covered in jizz? I mean, blood, I mean, right. bloody jizz. Why I mean, are you so sticky? Know. But well, because it's corn syrup, you dingo. Mm, you dingus. You fucking dingus. We then cut to the real estate agent, landlord, or whoever Bert is. Uh, he's watching a movie. The phone is ringing. It's the neighbor Hitchlow, Hinchlow, Hitchlow, Hinchlow. Always, the, they said his name like three different ways. Throughout I think the it's film. Hinch. Hinchlow says that someone has parked their car out front of the house and that the real estate agent should go check it out, which he goes to do. So at the end of this scene in which Bert, who's played by Dick Miller, uh, is apparently he's watching A Bucket of Blood, which is a uh, movie from 1959 on the TV. And just before turning it off, he says the line, quote, how come this guy never won an Academy Award? And the guy in question is actually himself, Dick Miller. How about that? That's fun. I didn't realize that. Bert is then confronted by his wife. She chastises him about it being Friday night. Then she shows him her breasts, then runs off to the bedroom in which you hear sound effects of a jackhammer. Yeah, what was that? Was that is that how vibrators were made back then? Were they just like... You had to plug him in outside. Yeah, and you <laughs> literally jackhammered your shit. And he, I thought I wrote down what he said. I didn't, but he. Oh, he says uh, she's gonna hurt herself like that someday, <laughs> suggesting well, yeah. that this woman, which yeah, of course, because you're using a jackhammer Hammer. as a dildo. You have just crushed your pelvic bone. This thing yeah. is supposed to be used on concrete, not your clitoris. Get yeah. it together. Yeah, that actress is also, uh, I looked her up because I thought she might be a porn star too, but she was actually Michelle Bauer. She was, she's mm-hmm. in Chainsaw Hookers or whatever the heck that is. It is, yes. That's part of the trivia is Bert's wife is played by actress Michelle Bauer, who played one of the lead ladies in Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers ah, alongside the original Leatherface Gunnar Hansen and my own personal crush, Linnea Quigley. <laughs> she's the one you mentioned her last week, right? Yeah, I love Linnea yeah. Quigley. She's mm. she's just a doll. Well, Meg goes back downstairs to check on Roxanne. She finds Biff's lifeless body. She screams, and the rest of the girls come down to check in on her. 
Meg says that his body has been wrapped in a quote-unquote soul shroud, whatever the fuck that means. Bert, the landlord, or whatever, comes over and is banging on the door. He demands to be let into the house. It's at this point where all three girls run up to the door, open it together, and do the 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 hilarious comedic bit where they put one head above each other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then they tell Bert, they go, hey, you're going to have to give us a minute because we're all naked. Which, not true. They weren't naked, but, you know, they all had been. They so. had been multiple times. Multiple times. Well... During this moment, the girls decide to hide the body of Biff so they can let Bert in. While they're doing so, Roxanne sneaks up behind Bert and tells him to go behind the house. The girls go to let him in, but alas, he's missing. Also, when there, there's a, a line that really made me laugh. Just, there were a couple lines like in short succession that made me laugh uh, because they just the wording was so stupid. And this was one of them where... When they close the door and they're like talking, the, the women are talking, deciding whether or not they want to um, hide the body, tell Bert, whatever. Yeah. I think it was Megan that says, quote, is it worth a mere hundred bucks to be implicated in a murder? And then all three of them just start like vigorously shaking their head. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. No, it's not a hundred. I mean, I know a hundred dollars in 1992 might have people were like 140 today or whatever, but like these poor women. The, the, that's the issue. It's it's 1992. $100 is worth $140 in today's money. So, you know. And so at this point, Roxanne takes Bert down to the basement. She seduces him. He screams, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. And then Roxanne bites his dick off. Oh boy, indeed. Some trivia. The movie was chosen to be part of the notorious German Schlefatz series. It aired September 2019 on German TV station Tele5. Schlefatz is a German abbreviation meaning the worst film ever. In that series, two hosts present the whole film and make fun of it throughout the movie, similar to kind of what we're doing here. So this is apparently where we're not being very original by doing evil tunes. Um, <laughs> I do want to just go back a second and say, yes, Roxanne did in fact bite Bert's dick off. And um, one would say, Gilliam, Tim. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Back in the house, the other three girls find Roxanne's body. Blo- sorry. Roxanne's bloody clothes and notice the cartoon illustration has disappeared from the book. They realize that reading the incantation from the book will release it into the world and it will devour the souls of the living. The three girls head to the basement to look for Roxanne and find Bert's and Roxanne's lifeless body. Once again, David Carradine is watching from a corner. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Meg declares that the beast killed them, but is shut down immediately by the ringleader. They try to find weapons, but are soon shocked to find Hitchlow hanging around the living room. Hitchlow says that he knows what the book is. He says it's been given. The book was brought over by David Carradine, and he explains exactly what it is, where it came from, and how it got there. But it's not Hinchlow. It's actually Roxanne or the cartoon spirit that now is inhabiting her body. Roxanne! Mm, sing it, girl. Imposter Roxanne tells the rest of the girls that it's all a joke and that everyone's downstairs in the basement playing a prank, which is reminiscent of April Fool's Day. And at this point, fool me once, shame on me. 
Shame, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame. What fuck it, whatever. Fool me, can't get fooled again. This is not April Fool's Day. This is not a prank. Mm-mm. Imposter Roxanne soon shows her true colors and tells them that it's the demon and it stole her body or some shit and needs to kill the porn stars for fresh souls. I don't know, man. Leave me alone. Oh, fucking Christ. At this point in the movie, everything is gone completely off rails. I'm just curious when Hideki Miyazaki is going to bring evil tunes into the souls born franchise. Can you imagine that? Because all she, all they, all it wants is souls came in. Yeah. It's just, it's rune farming at this mm, point. Yeah. The girls try to escape the imposter Roxanne, but one of the girls name isn't important is caught and is stripped naked before Roxanne bites a chunk out of her neck. I think it's at this point where the infamous line where he's like, <laughs> nice tits. It, that's when this happens and, and i think a very, the, a very very elongated like uh, uh, like struggle between the uh, nice tits to when it bites him it's just like it's like 90 seconds long you're like dude just kill her just bite her already and it was before this too when the women start running away am i timing this right or am i early when they are like the the three remaining women are, are running away and they're just like they come out of the room in the basement and they're just like for like 25 seconds, they just like stand there and they're just like, ah, 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 I guess because they didn't have like the runway to actually be like moving. So they just yep. stand still. It was amazing. Also, it was just like a perfect time to showcase the jiggling bits. Sure. Yeah. Because you, you could, this type of movie needs all the jiggling bits it yeah. can get. The jiggle tunes. The two surviving girls try to find the dagger from before since it'll kill the demons or something. Alas, they seem to have misplaced it. So they grab a fire poker and go on the prowl for the demon imposter Roxanne. Roxanne jumps out and attacks the ringleader. And after a lengthy and sexy tussle, she has her neck bitten. Just out leaving just Roxanne and Meg alone in the house. Yeah, there she has her on the ground. She's pinned her down. She's struggling. And then first thing she does, grabs the top, rips it off, titties out, as it is wont to do anytime it's attacking one of these women. You know, the way they make these movies, like this whole thing, just makes it seem like if you were just to walk up to someone, regardless, man, woman, female, who cares? And you just gently tug on their shirt, the whole thing is just going to rip off. Just pops off. And so part of me wonders, like, has, has clothing become better since the 90s? or Hard to say. Are we just not sexually assaulting people? Because, you know, I would hope that's the answer. Yeah. But Free the Nip has made a big comeback. Sure. That's true. That is true. Well, we now see Meg as she's trying to escape. And she falls down 17 flights of stairs. (laughs) Yeah, my girl eats it. There's, It's like the way that they do the shot. It's like she falls down a flight of stairs. And then she falls on another flight of stairs. And then they just somehow keep figuring out more stairs to put her on for her to continue to fall down. There's only one staircase in this house. And she's fallen down that staircase 17 times. It is the longest. It is. It comes a point where it's like it almost feels like a Charlie Chaplin bit where it's like this like pantomime humor of you just continuing to fall down a flight of stairs over and over and over again for 10 minutes. Like that's what we're at. This came point. in. They were going to get $100 to clean this house. There were a bunch of stairs. It was $100, dude. $100 worth of stairs. Yeah. Roxanne tells Meg that she'll put the soul, the soul shroud on Meg's body, and it'll send her to hell. 
But if she uses it incorrectly, it'll go badly. Mm, raise those stakes. David Carradine busts into the house. Finally, he's just been lurking in the corners, jerking off the whole time. And he says that he's here to destroy the cartoon demon thing. He has the dagger from before and goes to stab Roxanne, but she fights back with vigor. So is the implication that he had to kill himself to be able to kill these demons? I, I mean, honestly, I think it's yes, but at the same time, there's no point in the film in which it's implied or referenced that that was the case. Right. You just have to no. assume it to be. No, this guy's this guy's a jerk off. He he had the evil book tucked in a way. Only he had it. And, and in fact, he died and still had it. And then he was just like, you know what? I'm just going to ruin these great film actresses life right now and just bring the book out of nowhere and just give it to them. He could have just kept it. Sure. He, he could technically, he could have. <laughs> Meg comes up behind Roxanne, smashes a vase on her head, and David Carradine stabs her with a dagger. The cartoon demon shoots out of her body and stumbles across the floor. Some uh, trivia here. David Carradine uh, was wearing a, a wig that was made for him for his role in North and South Book One, North and South from 1985, which... Pretty convincing wig because I really thought that that was just his hair. That was too. I th I think it's funny that they like all of the ways that they cut corners for this movie to like yeah. keep it under budget. And one of those was like, "Hey, David Carradine, do you still have that wig from a Civil War movie from seven <laughs> years ago?" And he's like, "Oh, you know what? I actually do. I actually do. I use it to strangle myself yeah. when I jerk off. Exactly. <laughs> actually, I have the wig on right now, so we can." <laughs> We can keep using it. Great character. The demon, <laughs> the demon turns back into the Necronomicon and then it pleads not to be thrown into the fire. And then all of a sudden it just shoots cum out of its eyes. And, yes. it's, and it yeah. has, I think my favorite line of the film, when the book is in the fire, he says, what a world I'm melting. <laughs> keep in mind, this is still the director and writer. What like a he world. had to have known. He had to have known in the moment when he's doing this like bit where he's like, maybe I should write something different because this makes no fucking sense. It is so stupid, but he does it anyway. Yeah. And he says the line that you that you alluded to earlier came in where he's like, uh, "Bitch, I'm gonna kill you in the sequel." Yeah, yeah, yeah that's I'll get you in the sequel. <laughs> I'll get you in the sequel. Unfortunately, folks, I'm sorry to be the the spoiler and bearer of bad news. Um. But there, uh, there was no sequel to Evil Tunes, and that's a goddamn shame. I thought Space Jam was the sequel. Oh, <laughs> Roger, way Roger less horny. Actually, I was I was gonna say way less horny, but let's be honest. Lola Bunny is a sex symbol. Yeah, for millennials, and Bill Murray wants it. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. you know Bill Murray fucked that cartoon bunny. Ooh, oh boy. Oh boy. And oh, oh boy, oh boy, boy, oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> David Carradine explains to Meg that he brought the book to America and released a tear that's wreaked havoc for over a century. He waited to find someone to transform the book into a living entity so that he could destroy it. Now that they've vanquished the evil, he can leave. He explains that everyone is still alive, though, because the cartoon demon was never really here then he vanishes himself. So what was the evil, you know? The evil was the friends we made along the way, Mikey. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. Honestly, this was 
controversial opinion. This was the only bad part of the movie, in my opinion. Like, yeah. all of a sudden, just like yeah. nothing mattered. Like, yeah, like, I was a little like, okay, come on. It, 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 it was all a dream, basically. It was like, really? But I didn't get like if the thing was like trapped in a book, then like, I don't just like bury it or just throw it with like some fucking fish. Let them deal with that bullshit. Sure. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. There's, it's at this moment, and this is kind of where it's kind of similar to me, at least for like the April Fool's Day. Nowhere near as bad. Yeah. But with April Fool's Agreed. Day, where they'd like pull the curtain at the very, very end of the film where they're like, you have that weird ass scene where they like jump in and like Muffy or Muffy gets her neck slipped by Nan and they're like, April Fool's. And then the movie cuts and you're like, what the fuck just happened? Like, it had a, nowhere near as impactful effect on the way that i thought of the film but like the ending just felt like like come on guys like you you could have given a better explanation yeah do you Um, think mikey says they should have thrown it in the ocean which mm -hmm. gave me an idea do we think disney pixar will ever make an evil tune sequel where it's a mashup with finding nemo you know the cast of nemo has to deal with the evil tunes I was thinking more Shark Tale, mm. but then again, Will Smith has been blacklisted, so sure. that will never happen. Sure, sure, sure. Um, Nemo? Yeah, we have Ellen. We have Ellen for Finding Nemo, and I mean, she just sucks. She's a terrible person. <laughs> she. Uh, that's true. No, that there's. It's kind there's of a lot of evidence to suggest she. She's a horrible. We should go on a tangent real quick about how we all hate Ellen, and she's a horrible person. <laughs> Oh my uh, god, the fucking worst. We the can worst. leave it there. We can leave it. We can, we can, <laughs> yeah, well, we don't have all the car facts, but it's at this point where Meg awakens the next morning laying on the couch. She finds everyone is alive and well. As they all come back in and everyone's shrugging it off, thinking that they for some reason all have a really bad hangover, even though only one person in the film drank anything. Hinchlow shows up. He mentions that he's brought his portable TV over because it's Saturday and everybody loves cartoons. Boo. Meg screams at the top of her lungs for an elongated 45 seconds. Which makes no sense. Roll credits. Evil tunes. ending. They really didn't stick the landing for me, unfortunately. Yeah. No. I mean, honestly, like, do you think they were actually going to stick the landing here? Because... Sure it's it's not yeah um it is what it is a timepiece that is definitely something some fun trivia go ahead mike i was gonna say very on that like timepiece i love like this era of like movies like i I really liked the intro it was kind of like hocus pocusy and i love Mm. the uh the rolling credits where they just flash everybody like a scene of who they are with their name under oh love those yeah Love yeah. that. Because then like, I actually few, get to know who it is. Yeah. And a yeah, few they of them never were like, do that. Uh, never. Uh, a few of them were like the outtakes. Not all of them, yep. weirdly. Some of them were outtakes. Some of them weren't, um, which yep. is weird. But some uh, final pieces of trivia. And then I have a, a thing that I need to bring up as well. Uh, okay. and a new a new segment. A new, ooh. Trivia uh, shot in eight days using the equipment and crew from another production. <laughs> that, <laughs> that poor crew just to be inherited by evil tunes. Um uh, this was the film was also shot using what's called short ends, which is the leftover film from a major studio production. So any of the unused film essentially on like dances with bulbs or whatever. Um, 
The director has openly admitted that he conceived the film after he watched Who Framed Roger Rabbit in the movie theater, which makes total Bonk. sense. Makes total sense. This checks out. And then final piece of trivia, the writer-director Fred Olin Ray initially pitched the idea for this picture to legendary exploitation movie producer Roger Corman. Ray told Corman he could make the film for only 250K. Corman turned down Ray on the grounds that he said the budget was too low. So Ray made the picture on his own for only 140K. He said, fuck you, Roger Corman. I can do it with 140. 110, 100 and, uh, yes, $110,000 less this fucker did. Yeah. This I movie. Made, I could have made this movie with the hour, with the, the daily rates of all those girls combined. Sure. 400 bucks, easily could have done it. Uh, that's a weekend rate, Mikey. Mm. I was for cleaning the house for the whole weekend. So, so I have to ask, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I have to ask the question. Now that we're here, do we think the movie would have been better if it was just full-fledged softcore pornography? You know, keep in mind there was there really isn't a scene in the film that's like outside of like the twerking scene. There really isn't a scene in the film that's like of overtly sexual nature. She like blows a dude and bites it off. But it's not like you she blows the dude. You don't see anything. And it's like one of those where she just like lays there. She's like, come here. There's no nudity in that scene. That's he like walks over. She like, she goes to kneel down and then he like screams in pain. And she likes, it's a, you know, but there's really no like overtly sexual nudity. Like, look, we did Samurai Cop and there was so many softcore porn scenes in that yeah. movie. That was yeah, insane. Yeah. That was the Skinamax special. And I would say that this movie arguably has more nudity in it than Samurai Cop. However, it felt way less racy oh for sure way less gross than well, samurai cop well yeah because samurai cop was really rapey like all those sex mm. scenes were really rapey and this was just women taking their shirts off like it wasn't like there was yeah there i i personally i don't think we needed it not not the titties the like adding actual softcore porn um because this movie is like a tight 92 like we don't need any yeah. more time let's get in get out we got the story we got the tunes. They're evil. Yeah, get in and pull out, you know? Yeah, exactly. Mm, Mikey yep. So yep. I, there's a new segment that this, this is probably going to be a one-time segment, probably not a recurring <laughs> segment, called Is David Carradine Actually Dead? <laughs> Here's the thing. I'm looking up this man on IMDb. Mikey, if you want to look it up and fact check me, you're more than welcome to. This man supposedly died in the year 2009. He has been credited in 10 movies since then. A movie as recently as last year. I don't know that David Carradine's dead. I think maybe he faked it and he didn't actually die jerking it all those years ago. Do you think he now, do you think he's like, just, he's like, look, I'm not done jerking off in the corner. And so I'm coming back and I'm going to jerk off in the corner and star in a couple movies here and there, but I'm just haunting David. I know you're listening. Hollywood. David, I know you're listening right now. You're one of the first Safe Drive Cinema listeners. Write in, call 100%. in. We'll have you on the show. I just, I'm not convinced that this man is dead. No, there's, there's actually no. Ch- there's, he's accredited in, in, in way too many movies. Like way too many. Like there's, I understand. There's, like I'm sure Tupac has been credited in a movie here and there since the time he's died. But ten movies and one as recently as last year. I don't know. Feels a little fishy. He's on. He's like one of the main actors in some movie in 2013. Like he, like he's just blatantly on the cover. And like, sure, maybe the movie was just like 
kept in a closet somewhere. I think this might be something that the elite Hollywood left is keeping from us. That David Carradine actually alive. It's the reptilians. Yeah. Did we? And and hey, no. I mean, not to drag David Carradine through the mud <laughs> so much, but like, is is David Carradine really the one that like he died and people were like, we gotta we gotta keep this guy's footage and keep going on? Like when Michael Jackson had like three more albums after, sure. it's like, oh man, well it's Michael. I, David Carradine, like I just well, know him as, I've known him as Bill for a long time, and Cayman would probably be able to speak to this more than I could, but. It seems like David Carradine, because he has a fuck ton of credits. It seems like yeah. he was like a B and C tier god. Like he was in oh, yeah. so many B yeah. and C tier movies. Like His he wasn't really ever years. an A lister. No, he, no, I mean he definitely was back in like the seventies. He was a gotcha. big name star. Um, he did a lot of westerns, a lot of spaghetti westerns, a lot of trash cinema in the seventies. I mean, hell, the whole reason that he's in Kill Bill is because Quentin Tarantino is so like hard on for grindhouse films and sure. so like he you know so he's he tries to pull people in who are big in those days and pull them back into movies i mean he essentially saved john travolta's career with pulp fiction like john travolta no one wanted to touch him he was not worth anything and then his whole career the whole renaissance was because tarantino was like i want this guy who is known for like these types of movies. I want him in this movie and he'd like just bounce back. Um, Carradine was similar in the source, but no, I think, you know, it's a little known fact. I don't know if anyone's ever told anyone this before, but Madonna has been dead for 30 years. Whoa. Crazy. Um, it's a body double. So wow. it could just be that Carradine just isn't on the same level as Madonna and he's got a body double. Whoa, whoa, or, whoa, whoa, like whoa. Said, never died. David Carradine has shapeshifted and is now Madonna. Oh my God, that's what it mm, is. Fuck. David Carradine. It, you heard it here first, folks. Look, like we said last last episode, this is edutainment. This we is teaching you fuckers about all of these hidden things. Save you know. trash cinema, where exploitation and investigative journalism are one and the same. Exactly. Which means, which means, connecting dots. Big brain going on here. Avril Lavigne must be their daughter. And mm. they all ran away together and Whoa. they just gave some shine to some doppelgangers. Whoa. 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 What if, mm. hear me out, good Charlotte never existed at all? <sighs> I'd be like fine that, with that, that personally. Yeah. Yeah. That tiger would still be just like probably hanging out with uh, that freaking Tiger King loser down in Oklahoma. So, mm, fair. Fair. Well, boys, that brings us to the end of the episode, which brings us mm-hmm. to final thoughts. And what we do on every episode of Save Charge Cinema, we like to ask the question, should this film be saved or should this film be canned? It's important to note, and this hasn't been said before, this is the first time it's ever been said before, our one and only, our resident expert on bears and pornography was the one who named this segment, Michael Corcoran. So why don't we start with you, Michael? Save it or can it, Evil Tunes. Oh, just so easy for the pun to say you got to can it because of these tiggle cans. Mm, but save, like, save the cans. But I'm saving the cans. I'm saving the cans. Um, I'm saving everything that's with all of their filmographies from <laughs> Kill Bill to Backdoor Women 8 or whatever it was that uh, Danger, Danger Lady made. I don't even know. All their names are so... 
porn porn names were so much cooler back in the day. Sure. Like like Stacy Danger. Like now it's just like, huh? I'm Lexi. Stacy Danger, man. Stacy. Here's Danger. The, okay. Hold on. Let me ask a question. Sorry to cut you off, but mm. I was thinking about this. Can you? Can any one of us name a porn star from today? Yes. Yeah. Oh. I can say the only one I can think of is like jenna jameson mm, sure i don't know that she's active anymore well that's that's the point the thing is is like back in the 90s and early 2000s like in this in the 80s you could do this too porn stars could go from you know hardcore directly into shit like this sure and there's like an easy avenue i just don't think it's the same anymore i don't i like i can't really name one off the top of my head of like wrestlers that. stole that from porn stars now it's oh, wrestlers the wrestlers are the ones that that assimilate into Hollywood instead of porn stars. Yeah, yeah, and Hulk Hogan yeah. stole both of those from respective jobs. Yeah. That's true. That there fucking you, go. you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm siding with the Iron Sheik on this one. I'm gonna break that jabroni's neck. Yeah, he yeah he he's fucking. All right, Mike. Sorry, you 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 were saying you're saving this film, saving the cans, baby, saving them, saving them, Patrick. You're the Unic- one that's always a, you're the one that's always the hot button. It's sure. the one that I never really know whether or not you're going to love it or you're going to hate it. So give it to, to me straight. To quote the film, that did not sound like the ecstatic coupling of young lovers to me, Cayman. But regardless, I'm fucking saving it. Hell yeah. This there is there is a special like this movie is absurd. And if it so easily could have been so blatantly offensive. Yeah. And it, it's not like they made it. They make it work. I think part of it is because the women are all porn stars. So like they're like, you can tell like they bring that to the role. Um, and it just, it feels very like, yeah, I don't know. It's fun. It's not like, it doesn't feel predatory. Like a lot of Samurai Cop did. It doesn't. And like, sure. The story makes no sense. And a lot of the plot makes no fucking sense, but it's a fun time. Like I, if it was 10 minutes longer, I might be canon it. I don't know. But like, I didn't feel like it outstayed its welcome, even though the ending left me a little, um, how do I say unsatisfied? Sure. I'm still here to save it right now. Falling in at number two on my list of the movies we've watched. What's number one. I'm curious. Uh, but my bloody Valentine. Oh, fantastic choice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, I'm, I'm falling suit with you guys. Like Patrick said, I think that this film could have easily been, horrendously offensive, horrendously sexist and could just be all sorts of really bad. But honestly, like it's, it, they, it's not like at all. Um, none of it felt like that it was of bad taste. And um, look, the movie is not good by any stretch. This is not going to be nominated for an Academy Award by a mile and a half. Um, but it's highly, highly entertaining. Yeah. It is absolutely fucking hilarious and it's meta enough that the jokes land. It doesn't feel like it's trying to do something that it's not. And ultimately, I, th- I think it was just, it's just a really fun movie um, that you can watch solo or watch with friends. Um, you're going to have a good time. And so ultimately, for me, when it comes to trash cinema, this is like a perfect example. Oh, 100%. It is the whole part of trash cinema why people love it so much is because it it's entertaining. At the end of the day, it's entertaining. There's something about it that's going to make you laugh or it's going to make you like you enjoy it for some reason. And 
I think it's really funny. It's a very entertaining film uh, and it's free on Tubi. So yeah. there's really no reason not to watch it. This is the perfect example of bad good. Like yeah. it's, yep. it's bad, but it's good. Like it's, it's not bad, bad. It's not good, good, but it is, it is bad, good. It's yeah. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Yeah, and, and I will say uh, like a, a reason to watch and why this, I think this movie works for all the listeners is that they're not actresses. So it's great that they're bad at acting. Like yeah. it's, yeah. it's just like, like you're okay with that. Like the bar's so low and you're like, these are porn stars. And they're just like, oh geez, like what was that? Like, it's great. If these were like actual act- actors and actresses and they were doing so bad, like you'd probably be a little mad, but they're sure. not. So that's why it's fun. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's great. Well, guys, that brings us to the end of the episode. And I have to say, if you've enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and share the hell out of it with your friends and loved ones and worst of enemies. Honestly, word of mouth is key here, and we are 1,000% beggars. Please tell every single person you know. Also, fuck Keith. Fuck Keith. Mm. If you're interested in video games, check out our main podcast, the Spotlight Games Podcast, on all of your favorite streaming services. We also have a YouTube channel, so don't be a heathen and watch this banter about video games there as well. In the meantime, you can follow me at Kid Kamen, Patrick at Patrick Schwag. Mike, where can they find you on socials? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Mick Dagger. Ooh. Ooh. What about Instagram? Which- uh instagram is mickey mouse like dead mouse and my other socials are mick dagger uh like mick jagger if i was a porn star and that's mm. literally why i made it so there you go serendipitous well yeah or you can follow our main podcast at spot games pod on twitter and at spot games podcast swally games podcast on instagram if you want to be part of the show whether it be a guest host or have a movie recommendation you can reach us at save trash cinema at gmail.com or save trash cinema on all socials remember fight big box office save trash cinema we've got a high biff spotty you mean touch that guy look he's already dead we can't help that but if bert finds out he was here we're gonna get fired but is it worth a mere hundred bucks to become implicated in a murder yes let's do it come on